Hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. This is episode 161. Yes, today, yes, yes. Today we're going to talk about uh, one of my apparent um, growing addictions. And uh, we're also going to talk about um, horror in a couple of um, or horror or Halloween. <laughs> or stay, horror. stay tuned and you'll yes. find out. Try uh, saying that who is it? Who is it that's going to be talking? Well, me. I'm Chris Ryan, and I'm a former journalist and a longtime teacher and an independent author. Now transitioning to I want to be a hybrid. I want to be both still independent, but also traditionally published. And as of this weekend, I have officially uh, reached that status. Yes, yes, yes. This yes, weekend, yes, yes. Yeah, this weekend was Buchacan. Uh, I was supposed to be in Sacramento, and then it had become virtually. Yeah, because they moved Sacramento, Sacramento right? Yeah. So um, uh, they the Buchacan is the uh, one of the biggest mystery conferences in America, and every time they do a Buchacan. They do an anthology, and I was included in the anthology. Yes, he was. So, uh, so I was published alongside Walter Mosley, my one of my main heroes, and a whole you bunch got- of other talented people. Um, so, yeah, I'm there, damn it. Um, <laughs> and who else is here? Well, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah. we're talking about the legendary comic book scribing iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Blackjack. That's right, Aaron Day, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s whose daring adventures reflect today's problems. He is the one, the only, the most precious (laughs) Alex Simmons. (laughs) <laughs> My precious. I never get past that. <laughs> oh boy, that's fine. I did not pay him to write that. I want you to understand that. <laughs> he wrote that on his own because he's not well. But that's all right. I love him. So hey, Chris, good to see you. Or good here to see you. Good to see you. Doing. So uh, always good to see you. Yes, and uh, I'm glad to tell the damn story with you. Yeah, and to continue doing so. You know, so, folks, neither one of us is shaved today. I want you to understand. No, no, there you go. Yeah, I've got fuzzies. He's got fuzzies. All, all got swimming. Well, these fuzzies are uh, intentional fuzzies, see? see oh. But these well, under got, here, these yeah. are unintentional fuzzies. These are ones that I usually shave off, so. I, I see. Get to okay, shave well, I have, I have an and I'm, I'm getting just, I'm being reduced to fuzzies up here. From the chin to the head, you know. Let's just tie it all up. There you go. Right. Hey, he looks fine there. He looks fine. Doesn't look bald at all. Look at him. Yeah, we're, we're not well, folks, but you, you, if you've been following the show at all, you know that. Uh, this is yes, good. This is good. Your body's your ticket. And we are in the month. Your your ticket. You take your ride there. We're in the month of October, yes. And it's Halloween, and it's, what do they call it? Various types of uh, autumn or, or fall or uh, there's all these terms that people use so they don't say Halloween. Um, but either way, it's a holiday month. Oktoberfest. Yeah, right. It's right. a holiday month. People are celebrating it in various ways all over the United States. And we have a couple of interesting ways to talk about recognizing, you know, acknowledging and celebrating this particular month, which is one of my favorites. Well, and, and 
there's a twist, of course, with this Halloween season, and that is COVID. COVID-19 has um, has changed everything, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, has locked us down a lot. And, you know, it doesn't matter your politics. You can, you know, agree or disagree or whatever that stuff. But it, it's, I mean, no one can ignore this. You know, this no, is heat, but, right? but on the other hand, and not to, not to disavow anything you're saying, but I have um, multiple friends, at least a few, who grabbed their families in a van and went out to an apple orchard and picked apples and, and right. and stuff like that. Because, you know, you can do social distancing when you've got 30 acres around Right, it. right. So 30 acres is, is kind of the rule of thumb. Right. And then there's, there's stories online, which you really want to look for them on Facebook and some other locations, of people putting a pumpkin out in front of their house and either squirrels or bears have come after them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, some folks are sort of, you know, locked out and locked down and all that. But there's also some some autumn and, and October adventures going on. So, yeah, but you were saying. Um, there's there's two things I would talk about with that. One, uh, talk about an adventure. Uh, this autumn, this October, my sons, one of whom is your godson. Yes, proudly. Turned 25. Oh, ow, ow, ow. Yes, yes, we are ow. getting there. Oh, ow. How about oh. that? Wow, that's, uh, that's deep. That's deep. Yeah. That's body blow, body blow. That was, that was, wow. So, that, that's wild, because they're twins, folks, so that's why they both wow. did it. They that's because the goddess is really, really organized, you know, <laughs> and she's great at sales, you know. She got them, oh, look, buy one, get one free. There you go. <laughs> and she had them on two for Tuesday, so there you go. All right, so those are terrible jokes. I hey, they're great kids. They're great yeah. kids, and and I'm men now. Thank you very much. Now they're still. Um, the other thing, I, um, when we were when we were pitching ideas for this um, uh, episode, this episode, um, you know, one of the things that I keep going back and forth with the goddess is, all right, what what are the rules today for Halloween? Because you know, you can trick treat, you can trick treat, you can trick treat. And, uh, you know, then there's always these articles about what you can do instead, you know, so, mm -hmm. and, I, and I started thinking, um, what other things have, have been affected by COVID, you know, that we might not notice? And then, well, Alex, I noticed. Uh, what did you notice, Chris? <laughs> I noticed that I have developed an addiction or worsened an addiction. I've always had this addiction, but worsened an addiction during COVID, and that is my book addiction. Your book addiction and during COVID, and and that ties into Halloween in October. Well, because there's so much of it that is uh, spooky ah. stuff, ah. you know, and and so it's going to be kind of mocking me, but also, hey, a lot of this stuff is well, if you're looking for something to read. Since, you know, we can't be going out or we shouldn't be going out into big crowds and partying and all that sort of stuff. So, OK, so so here, here for the audience, who's going, where are these guys going with this? Trust me, as we talk about and it is still tell the damn story. We're going to talk about what stories you can tell during this particular time, uh, either as in joy and watch and feed or maybe even some themes that you might want to explore during this particular season, whether it's, you know, out of your own imagination, life experience, whatever, or COVID related. So go forth and tell us 
what, what, what's, what's, what brilliance have you come across or come well, up? And all these I'm, you know, endorsing and recommending. Um, even for Halloween, most of them will um, will apply one way or another. But you got to have to be flexible with me. All right, here we go. And this is going to be the section that I'm going to try and release as video. So here we go. So one of the ongoing things I've been doing um, is listening to um, Christopher Golden, your, your guy, Christopher Golden. Yep. And Great writer, comics and novels and so forth. Good old Chris. And he does with um, uh, Brian Keene, he does Defenders Dialogue. So right now, there's, and, right. and they go through uh, Bronze Era, 70s Era Marvel comics, like the entire run. And it's so much fun. They talk about the story, and then that will spin off to a commentary and all that sort of stuff. So right now, they're doing Man-Thing. So ah, the essential, the essential Man-Thing. Man -Thing. And that's a lot of Steve Gerber, and Steve Gerber's always fantastic. Steve Gerber's great. Who's the artist on that? There's so many. Uh, let's see. Um, so there's Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, Len Wein. Those uh, are right. Steve Gerber, Mike Klug, Klug? Tony Isabella, Gray Morrow, John Bushima, Neil Adams, Rich Buckler, Val Mayerick. Yeah, and, and more and more, and more. but okay. uh, available easy and a lot, a lot of fun, good reading. All right. So then there's uh, so many of these were picked up listening to Brian Keene and uh, and his crew's uh, podcast, which sadly is no more. Um, but here we go. Um, Roar Blood by uh, Catronia Ward, who I saw Catronia yesterday at Butchicon, uh, if I remember correctly. That's uh, something that's uh, fantastic. The, raw this chilling blood. story, raw blood. This chilling story drew me in from the first page and kept me up at night until I reached the end. Claire Fuller, author of How okay. Endless Numbered Days. So there's raw blood. Katrona Ford. Watch the watch the addiction grow. Okay. This is an oldie, but I had never read it. Oh. The Terror by Dan Simmons. It's Dan, about no to be an AMC series. What was that? I said no relation to me. No, no, no. no. As a matter of fact, Dan Simmons, if I remember correctly, when I was a kid, my friend uh, Roger and I wrote short stories to the long, uh, gone and lamented Twilight Zone magazine. We used to publish mm. stories. And uh, we thought, this, this is going to be our, we're launching at 14. We're launching our career, right? And Dan Simmons won, if I remember correctly. Oh. <laughs> and went on to write stuff like this. So, the terror. Oh boy. And that's going to be a, a series. I did kind of what I was calling my unofficial, unofficial grad class uh, study of Brian Keene, all things Brian Keene, and the, he'll show up throughout the pile. Uh, this is some of his nonfiction. This is Brian Keene's Trigger Warnings. Warnings. Trigger Warnings, yeah. He's fascinating to read. Of course, this guy has to show up and, you know, this is my addiction. When uh, when I see, I have to buy it. Right? Joe R. Lansdale of Mice and Minstroni. Of Mice there. and Minstroni? Are you kidding me? No. Happened Leonard the years. If you know Joe R. Lansdale, that title makes great sense. Yeah, that's what's scaring me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and, like an really ugly version of Ratatouille. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Really great fun then. And then we hear, uh, we have one that we've never talked about before in this uh, on this show. Is something uh, so you've never talked about? Never, ever, not never, once. Ever. Oh, okay, okay. We were all someone else yesterday. Omar Holman. Yes, yes, yes. but Omar has been on the show. 
Yeah, we've mentioned it every time he's there. We mentioned it four thousand times. <laughs> but I wanted to play one more time. Yeah. Um, but that's a great uh, book of poetry. And I'm teaching a graphic novels course, so I've got a bunch of books. One of them was With Great Power Comes Great uh, Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Right, Pedagogy, there you go. There's a couple others, uh, but that'll suffice. Interested in WandaVision uh, coming up for Disney. I picked oh, oh, up, oh, the Wanda the Scarlet Witch. Yes, WandaVision, yes. Yes. Um, I picked up the Avengers Vision and the Scarlet Witch trade paperback this is from old series you can tell by the art you know yes, we're talking about probably the I 80s think i think that is um that looks like busema but it looks like it's inked by somebody else yeah yeah i agree but yeah. that's still if you're interested in where that might be going that's one of them there's a lot of couple of things i'm mixing up okay this might have been one of the greatest things i read this summer and oh. again a covid buy uh, listening to uh, Defenders Dialogue, you know, Christopher Golden mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, this is volume two. There's volume one and volume two of Baltimore. And right. what's volume two? What is Baltimore about? I Baltimore mean, is in the city. Uh, about Lord Baltimore, who is damned or blessed with eternal life to fight Nazis and demons and all that sort of stuff. I'm telling you, you want to, again, it's him and uh, Mike Mignola. Mike? Ooh. Uh, yeah, Mike. It was started to be Mike's idea, and every time he talked with Chris, Chris would bring it up, and he never got to it. He said, well, why don't you finish writing it for me? And then they got uh, Peter Bergting and Ben Steinbeck and Dave Stewart and Mike, Michael Michelle Madsen to do the art and all the other stuff. Um, so uh, Mignola did the covers and he and was kind of a producer on it. And he had written some, and then Chris kind of went running with the ball. Fantastic, fresh read with a twist and a, a new set of weirdness. It goes, one of my friends saw, it, saw me reading it, and he says, do you think it's worth it? And I said, if it isn't, you know, I'll, I'll double your money back, that kind of thing. Right? <laughs> I don't know exactly what I said. But he would just uh, occasionally um, text me and say uh, some plot development and say, what? <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, we're getting warmed up now. Here we go. You can see him bouncing in his seat, folks. <laughs> Thug Lit, hard, Hardcore Hard Boiled, the best of neo-noir fiction by Ken Bruin, Victor Gishla, Dwayne Swiszelinski, yeah, Sean Chaircover. Charlie Steller and others edited by Tom Todd Robinson and Jerry by Otto Otto Penzler. Okay, so now let me see this side. hard boiled hard bo oh hardcore hard boiled and the the breast uh, breast uh, of neo noir knuckles on the cover kind of gives you a hint. It looks like brass knuckles. Yep. Yeah. So sorry looking. I, I had to had to have it had to have it. Uh, this was up for an award at uh, Bushikan yesterday. I am going to apologize to all Spanish-speaking uh, uh, listeners because I am about to destroy this. Pacu to lo sepas, stories to benefit the people of Puerto Rico, edited by Angel Luis Colon, and is fantastic. Um, I've had this for a while because, you know, COVID's been around for a while. But uh, there's two stories that stick out. Uh, one was nominated. Uh, I'm not sure if both of them was, but uh, Touristas by Hector Acosta. I actually had this book long enough to teach that just before COVID hit. 
I shared it with the class, and then we talked about it. It was my suspense class. And Bobo, Richie Noves. Um, well, uh, what we, was the purpose of the book? You, on two it's a, was this it's, because of the uh, storm and, and the, uh, the, um, the tornadoes? Yeah, that, yeah, because, you know, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't doing at all. Right. So, yeah. And, uh, and are those suspense stuff. stories, thrillers, horror, what? There's, um, there's suspense, but uh, the reason that, one, it's part of my addiction, and two, um, the stuff that's going on is horrific, right? A lot of crime is horrific. So if, right. you're, if you're not a, a ghoul and supernatural, but you still want some spooks or some chills, uh, shakes, some of those crimes things. And, that, and that's, a little, that's a little more um, diverse, and it's a little more um, modern world. So, yeah, but it's... A great collection of stories. And, and folks, don't worry if you can't possibly write fast enough to catch all this. We will have all these names yeah, well, printed somewhere. The around. hashtags are going to be long, brother. The hashtags, yes. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Now, this one, I, I had, there's so many I'm trying to go, so it's not a three hour show. Um, this one I had gotten from the library and I had made copies so I could share in class. I had this idea for a project. Um, and then I just had to own it. So I, I bought it during COVID. And it's called In Sunlight or in Shadow, Stories Inspired by the Paintings of Edward Hopper. Okay. Oh. There's the cut. Yes. Oh, it was edited by again. Lawrence Block. Hold that up. Hold that up again. Okay. That is not I like the design of that cover. That's really nice. Well, listen to the listen to the heavy hitters here, okay? Edited by Lawrence Block. Featuring Stephen King, Joyce Carol Oates, Robert Olin Butler, Michael Connolly, Megan Abbott, Craig Ferguson, Nicholas Christopher, Jill D. Block, Joe R. Lansdale, Justin Scott, uh, Chris Nelscott, Warren Moore, Jonathan Steph Lofer, Jeffrey Deaver, Lee Child, Gail Levin, and of course Lawrence Block wrote the story too. Here was the idea. They each chose a painting by Edward Hopper. So you would put the painting, right? There'd be a little something about the author. Mm -hmm. And then would be the painting. Right. And the story would be inspired by that painting. And they were fantastic. Um, and there's one or two that I was able to share, which put the picture up and then I would you know, read the story or whatever. Um, guy became about copyright. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so um, then I showed him another uh, Edward Hopper, and said, "Okay, go for it. What would you do? You know that kind of so yeah. So very cool. I had to own it. Uh, I may have to get that one myself. Brian Keene, Earthworm Gods. Why? Because it's Brian Keene. <laughs> All right. And uh, I learned a lot of. Um, Influences from Keen, uh, listening to the horror show, the long lost lamented horror show, and uh, these next couple, um, and also cosmic shenanigans from uh, uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, okay, his partner. Uh, oh, she's gonna it's gonna be unforgivable. I'm sorry. All right, so here here is some stuff that I found from her. So, uh, and, and them combined. The Alone with the Horrors, the uh, best of Ramsey Campbell. Oh. Yeah, believe it or not. You know what I, that cover reminds me of. A little bit, just a little bit. Genius High. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
There's Junior's high right there. Yep, yep. There you go. Yep. Yep. But I had not seen this cover before that, so that's okay. Don't, don't I'm, sue. I'm, I'm Please don't sue. Futurism here. I'm just saying that there's a similar design mindset there. Yep. So that's that's part of my ongoing education at Brian Keene University. So is this one Paul <laughs> Tremblay, uh, the Cabin at the Cabin End of the World? What um, did they make a movie about that? I think they did. Um, and then there's Paul Tremblay, Growing Things, and that's a bunch of his short stories. He's got a great voice. I think he's a teacher as well. We go back and forth once in a while. This came from a recommendation by uh, Cosmic Shenanigans by uh, Mary San Giovanni. Ah, I found her name was ahead. She's the one who hosts Cosmic uh, Shenanigans, which is another fun podcast. And it's like being in a college lit class. You know, she kind of just very relaxed conversation and just blows your mind. And she blew my mind with Wesley Southard's. Uh, oh no, this is uh, right. This is not from uh, Mary. This is from Brian Keane. Wesley Southard, Resisting Madness. Blah! Wow. Horrifying cover. That's for those of you who really want to be horrified. Resisting know. Madness. Okay. Yeah. I had I, I had to pick up this book because it was uh, on the book addict six dollars. Um, Josh Malaman's Bird Box. You know, you know it from Netflix. Now read the book. Wow. Um, uh, I, I just walked across this. The child, the hero. I was hoping for a little more, but it's uh, an interesting study on uh, his views of the hero. Lovecraft Country. Yes, you can watch ah, it on HBO. Yep. But the book, the book by Matt Ruff is superb. Superb. <laughs> Beautifully written, fantastic, and then you can you can enjoy the beautifully written book, and then enjoy the superbly, sorry I repeated that word, uh, uh, crafted uh, HBO series. The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Lavelle. Uh, ah. Again, again, uh, this is I told you it's an addiction. Yeah, yeah, folks, I don't know that he has any room in his house for anything else now. No, uh, Tina's uh, she's out on the porch. So, uh, and we don't even have a porch, so she's a little confused. Um, <laughs> writer's Workshop of Horror. You know, when you're when you're not able to sleep and you're looking at thing or listening to something or at two in the morning and you become Opus from Bloom County and oh oh I gotta have that. Yeah, there you go. So that is what is that? That's an anthology of of advice and and how to structure and all that sort of stuff. And then this one, this one is a truly Opus by the Science of Stephen King. And that's the truth behind Pennywise, Jack Torrance, Carrie, Cujo, and more iconic characters of the master of horror. That's So that's an analysis of his work? Analysis of the, the scientific underpinnings of, uh, of those characters. Of course, Albert Hitchcock magazine and Ellery Queen magazine. Yep, yep. Which you got to do, you got to do. Decades have right. both those things been in existence. That's true. true. Uh, okay, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go multicultural. Uh, Gabino Iglesias, Coyote songs. Yes, yep. it's been around a while. Call me late to the party, but yeah, we learn sometime. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, Richie Naves, Bronx guy, right? And he's got a couple of things. He's got uh, Roach Killer and other, other stories. stories. Yeah. Hipster Death Rattle. Ooh. He's got uh, Holly Hernandez and the Death of Disco. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Do you have that book in front of you? 
Holly Hernandez? Yes. No, I don't. I, I have that on. How about, let, let me tell you this story. Because he was interviewed. He's also done, because Holly is young, right? She's sort of like a, a teenager. Yeah, it's a YA book. He was interviewed uh, online just a couple of weeks ago. Barnes and Nobles was doing this uh, online. Children's, children, young people's uh, mystery writers. So Richie was one of the ones that. So I got to sit and watch that. Yeah, yeah. He he, about, and he was just on. <clears throat> he was on the best panel of Buchacan, which was the Noir, uh, the Noir. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I got yelled at during that, but for for ridiculously wrong reasons. Um, but that was fun. Um, but he also has one of the great titles that's coming out, uh, I think, this November. Uh, Noir Rican. Noir Rican. Noir Rican. So it's, it's noir stories told from a Puerto Rican point of view. Or, yeah, Lat Lat Latinx. Yes. So Richie's great and he's a Bronx guy. And I've been very generous um, and supportive of my uh, suspense class, so I owe him, I owe him, I owe him. Wait a minute, how is uh, he generous and supportive? Well, <clears throat> we had a story, and I, I asked permission of, you know, because I follow him on Twitter, and I asked permission, can I share that with the class? He said, sure, you know. And then he said, there's a, a story with that character that happened beforehand. If you want, I'll send it to you. So he sent me the story. Beautiful. And we did that, and then uh, the kids had some questions, so he, we sent some questions, he sent some answers, um, and then he sent me a, a, a copy of Holly for the class, which we're going to be reading this year, so yeah. Beautiful. See, so, yeah, come across that way. Yeah, and it, you know... Oh, just so you don't think this is just a shopping list show here, uh, <laughs> we, you know, I mean, Chris's enthusiasm, or addiction, for this material is legitimate and real because of his love for reading and writing and good storytelling. And again, one does learn what good storytelling is by reading, by reading <laughs> good yeah. stories. You want to tell the story, read often and read widely. Mm -hmm. Read both sides. Um, the title, folks. He was just you know, segueing back into the list. Both this is, sides. Uh, excuse me. This is story, Stories from the Border, um, edited by uh, Gabino Iglesias again. Um, and ton of writers, and it's all about the Mexican-American border, and great, great stuff in there. Great, and it's great stuff. Both sides. Yes, um, it's been a, it's been a couple of minutes, so I am legally obligated to mention Brian Keene again. And this <laughs> uh, I, again, I was catching up a lot of the uh, reading of uh, Brian Keene that I had missed, and that was his. Uh, uh, really first big breakthrough, The Rising, which is, um, uh, it, it does some fa fascinating work on that. Okay, if you're more socially oriented, uh, this is um, The Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. Uh, that came up in one of the podcasts I was Fanon. reading. I said, you know what? A-N-O-N. Yeah, I had never read this before, and it's the century's <laughs> most compelling theorist of racism and colonialism, says Angela Davis. So, uh, again, Call me late to the party, but you have to pick up what you're going to have to pick up and get your education where you can. Okay, I spoke about cosmic shenanigans, and I spoke about Mary San Giovanni, and this is the book that I had to go out and buy after listening to one of Southern her episodes. Gods. Southern Gods. Southern Gods, yes. Um, it's a bit of H.P. Lovecraft, a touch of William Hudgesburg. Uh, Southern Ga Gods is an effective combination of cosmic horror and Southern Gothic traditions. John Horner Jacobs 
will turn heads with this debut. And he does. It's fascinating stuff um, with that twist. I didn't, you know, it's chocolate and peanut butter. These things shouldn't go together. You know, cosmic horror and, and, and the Southern Gothic, uh, you wouldn't think would go together well, but Southern gods. I'm constantly telling my students, you know, the what if question is a magnificent, magnificent either weapon or pry bar to get really into some great places in your mind and your imagination. What if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's <clears throat> Jump off from there into any number of directions. And I think that's, that's great. It's probably what he did. Cool. Um, if you're, you know, you want to tell your story and you want to tell your story better, this caught my eye because... Uh, it claims to uh, be a plugged-in, cutting-edge alternative to the musty prescriptions of strunk and white elements of style, which I, you know, now has been a Bible for me. So I want to say, all right, bring it then. And this is Sin and Syntax, uh, How to Craft Wicked Good Prose by Constant, Constance Hale. And she is witty and... Um, uh, some interesting things in there that uh, uh, I'm going to try and incorporate or avoid in my writing. <laughs> so, so we actually have here sort of a, a mingling of two themes. We have uh, good horror or suspense thriller type tales that are good reads for this time of the year. But then you also have writing uh, books that help with your writing or writing styles right. or information that will improve your writing. Well, you should read the- also around this time of the year. One of the things that uh, my book addiction is one of my weak justifications for my book addiction is that I'm trying to widen my mind and I'm trying to improve the writing and I'm trying to uh, learn how other people see other than, you know, aging white guy. Um, and here's some others that I'm, I'm reading because of that. This was a National Book Award finalist and it's by Carmen Maria Machado, Her Body and Other Parties. Ah, and then Gwendolyn uh, Kisti, uh, her smile will untether the universe. And those, again, I, I want to put more female voices in front of the students and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this one I picked up, uh, I haven't opened it yet, so I can't, I can't swear by it, but I think it's going to be cool. The Van Court Book of World Horror Stories, and it comes from... Each horror story comes from a different country. Oh, the Valancourt Book of World Horror Stories, Volume 1? Yes, there's okay. more volumes. I figured I would try with, start with Volume 1. Um, if it was good enough, then we got other volumes. But one. that way we can go to other countries. And I, uh, again, I'm thinking of... Okay, a world view. You know, yeah. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a YouTube... Uh, well, a social media guy, but I watch his show on YouTube. It's called Well-Read Beard. Just what a great name. Well-read beard. And uh, it's a Southern guy and um, reads, and then we'll tell you what he thinks of books. And his review was so compelling. I bought not one, but two. And then um, I followed those people, and they uh, have followed back, especially uh, Campisha Press, who puts both books out. And uh, I'll explain... Well, the title will explain. These both came out this year. Under Her Black Wings, 2020 Women of Horror Anthology. Okay. Ooh. And there's the, and I'll tell you what Well Red Beard says. And then 
Graveyard Smash. It was a Graveyard Smash. Did the match. Women of Horror Anthology Volume 2. Right? There's the art. Right? There you go. And he was talking about so many stories that, you know, usually when there's an anthology, there's a couple that stand out and then. There's everything else. Yeah. And he was, you know, he puts little. uh, stick it notes, right? And it was just, it was just covered, right? <laughs> Full of volumes. So I was like, that's fascinating. And again, um, this is, um, diverse voices. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to expose my students to stories that came out in their lifetime, you know. And uh, if you have, if you haven't got anything, um, and you want to. Uh, you know, read what the women have to say. You know, it's really interesting because the dynamics of horror, you know, from a woman's point of view, very different than a man's. And um, and uh, perhaps uh, some of you will come away and say, uh, and better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm. these are actually uh, the next thing I'm reading. I'm reading Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. And I have it over by my bed, so I didn't put that on the pile. But that's from the COVID addiction as you well. Get to your bed with all these books. <laughs> See this? See this yeah. backdrop, right? We used, used to have a pretty backdrop. Yeah. yeah these are, there's a, a, a row of uh, floor-to-ceiling uh, bookcases. So I have a little library behind me. Right. That just makes a U of books <laughs> yeah no, it looks like one of those things the heroes usually get caught in and they start closing in on them yeah yeah ah, yeah can't hold back the wolf. <laughs> all right so i hope that that serves as um you know tasty treats or um some ideas oh i wanted to find some reading for the holiday uh, you know for the the season and you know Usually I'd be running around doing this or that, but I'm going to sit home and, and read. Well, there's plenty there, and I'm going to try and read a chunk of it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I am looking for a 12-step program. <laughs> Hello, I am Chris, and I am a book addict. <laughs> and, and enunciate when you book say addict. Uh, let, let, let's, let us just play with that for a little moment here, um, uh, just to sort of as we round things off here. Of... I mean, you, you just ran through a list. I can't even imagine how long that list was. And by the way, folks, he was actually holding up each book he spoke up. So it's not like he's got a list of books he wants to buy or a list of books he's planning to buy or that he's bought, but they're not there. No, he had the books. The man was and those were the ones I could sitting, find. I'm sure there's yeah, He was sitting on a stack <laughs> of books. But here's the thing. Um, what makes good horror to you? You know, and the stuff that you've read, I'm seen on film. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not one... Uh, for gore, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to see uh, the teeth go into the neck and rip. You know, I want to see it from a different camera angle, or I want, you know, give me a character, build me up. I like the suspense, you know, more than the graphic violence. There is an audience for graphic violence, and. and some people are going to write in and say, uh, those seven of those books, uh, you better read that is at around noon in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, good reading, a good writing 
uberales, right? It wins out. Good writing overall. Um, so if you're doing some of that graphic, but you do it really, really well, okay, that's great, you know. But um, I give me give me something that um, I love when they dig in to uh, a community mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes very possible that this could happen. Yeah. You're, sup- you're suspending disbelief, you know. Yeah. One of the things, I, another thing that I bought and read during COVID, because I had never read it, you know, I was doing a lot of, of filling the gaps during COVID, and I am still am because COVID is still going on. Don't let anyone tell you different. Um, was Stephen King's Salem Lot, Salem's Lot. That's funny. This is exactly the story I was thinking of at this exact moment. <laughs> Because of a particular scene and because of something you just said. All right, I'll tell the overview, you tell the scene. The thing that really worked for me and stood up in 2020 for Salem's Lot was that it very much felt like a small town. It felt like, you know, I live in a a borough. It's not even a town. And um, it felt very real. Now, King's, one of his particular talents is to bring out a very real, almost mundane uh, uh, world and then twist it into whichever horror he's playing with at that moment. And I think that's highly effective. So that's what I'm saying. Now, you are talking about a specific... Yeah, Salem's Lot, um, which, you know, I read some, some time ago. And I'm not I'm not a big lover of horror. I will I've read some, I've seen some on, on television and films, uh, but it is not my go-to genre. But I read Salem's Lot, among a few other Stephen King things. And it's amazing with all the work that he put into that story, and as I said, there's some other stories he's written that I I've read and enjoyed. The scene that stands out the most to me and was the most disturbing was effective because of exactly what you were saying. By the time, and for those of you who don't know, Salem's Lot is a story that eventually deals with this, the vampires. By the time the horror starts to occur in this town, you know the town. Right. You're, you're, you're immersed in this town. You, you know the, mon- you use the right name, the ordinary, mundane, average folks, you know them. And there's one character in there, I'm, you know, spoiler alert to some degree, I won't go all the way. There's a, a husband and wife who have a new baby. And there's a scene in there that deals with that family when the vampire vampirism starts to spread. And I'm reading the scene, and as and it hasn't the moment hasn't happened. So maybe a page away, and I'm already going no, 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 no. And I stopped myself for a moment. I didn't want to read any further. Mm-hmm. Kept saying, "Don't read any further. You, you skip this page. Just skip it. You you, you can assume what it." No. And I finally got myself to read through it. I was so mad and then so, so hurt. You mean it was written so well that it was such a a bad scare for you? It was a bad scare because I knew what was going to happen to a character that really didn't deserve any of it. Right. There were characters in that that character's uh, family that deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things he did was he showed... A town warts and all. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing, too. You know, a lot of people, you know, especially young writers. When I say young, I don't mean young in age, but early in their experience, will go for the the effect. 
the, the, the gimmick or the, the cliffhanger, the, the shock value, whatever it is, because the thing, like, like blowing up buildings in a film, that's the cool thing. If you don't care, if you don't know the people, if you don't care about the victims, right. if you're not immersed in any of that, then it's a special effect. It's a moment where there's some nice special effects. Or in writing, it's a moment where, oh, somebody got st slashed or whatever. Okay, but that doesn't drive home the power of the story. If you are somehow engaged with these characters, you've now connected with them in some way. Right. Then it becomes a whole other experience reading that story, no matter what happens to them. And right. so, you know, for me, Stephen King was really wonderful at that, with, with that story and two others that well, I won't go into now, but two other horror stories of his short stories that just, just drove it home because I felt like I knew those people when right. it began to happen to them. I want uh, to say two more. I well, say hang two on, more. just give me a moment, because you... you, you, you um, House on Haunted Hills. Oh. Okay, now, what's funny is my oldest, Matt, is watching some or has watched some modern-day version of this. I think it's a, a TV show now on, on maybe HBO or Netflix or something. But when he mentioned what he was getting out of it, I immediately flashed back to the original film, which came out somewhere in maybe the 60s, I think it was, a late 60s. And the thing that made what he watched present day just as effective as what it did back in the 60s was it's not about the gore. It's about really the atmosphere of <coughs> things exist in your room, in your world, right there with you. And you either sense them or you don't, but they're there. Yeah. You know, and what can happen can happen and you have no control over it. That's like a psychological horror. Whether you believe in the supernatural or not, that there's there's an entity or some some existing thing that could do you harm that you have no effect on, that you can't control, that that can seep into you and and control where you go in your mind and your heart. And of those things, I think, well written again, caring about the people or the characters that are going through it, those are those are meaningful and exciting storylines. Yes, two two examples of that. Um... Again, King and The Shining. Well, three. Uh, okay. King and The Shining. There's a the kid. They they put you through the kid's point of view, and he's riding around the hotel, and he explores the door, and you see the monster. You see a monster rise up out of the bathtub, and kind of stumble towards him. And the kid runs out of the room and slams the door. You know, and he's standing in front of the door, and he's a kid, so he's about eye-to-eye eye with the doorknob. And the doorknob, King describes. So it's trying to, you know, it's turning as the monster is trying to open. And it's just the try. It's not success. I closed the book and put it down and ran away. <laughs> right? It's those little moments. If you could get down to a doorknob turning and that tingles the spine... That's a story. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I want to say is uh, this whole pile, all of this, all this mm -hmm. horror, mm -hmm. that's Brian Keene's fault. And I blame him. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I was... Uh, uh, and I blame my friend Roger because he said, you know, you should really listen to the horror show with Brian Keene because it, it talks about horror and all that sort of stuff. But he also talks a lot about the profession and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that that is what tired him out of that of that thing which is sad it was a, a dynamic show but 
most of the stuff he would uh, uh, talk about and then I had to follow. Uh, the thing about The Rising and one of the reasons why Brian Keene became Brian Keene was because the people you're following as the zombies grow and all that stuff, man, with one exception who uh, was deliciously deranged, um, every one of them is so ordinary that you can sign on for the ride. And that is a great, you know, tell the damn story. That's a great bit of advice. Mm. Uh, let people in. So give them somebody that they can sign on. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm in for that person, you know, and that's the difference between these kind of things that uh, uh, you want to run to. You know, even if it's a horror, you know, is not the, you know, not, not your thing. You know, here it's just the season, right? Look for some quality stuff, and well, you know, read a couple of really quality ones, but read ones that you may not, you you may hate because you learn just as much from that. That's that's true too. This is what I will not be doing with my story. Okay, so but that's, before you go on, before you go on, I have one more. You thing. do what you want to do. I'm I'm just. You're exhausted I've, now. <laughs> I've given the books. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. I'm going to save my social commentary for last, and I'll go to portrayals. Um, you can write a good story, a good novel, and some of these novels uh, and these characters are iconic, like Frankenstein, Dracula, Werewolf, that sort of thing. And yet a gazillion interpretations have been done of these characters over the years, over the, the decades. Um, you try, if you're watching films, you tend to... You know, okay, I'm not reading the story. I'm not reading the author's words. I'm, those moods and, and, and the atmosphere and the actions and the eloquence of this particular writer are not what I'm, I'm experiencing right now. I'm experiencing the filmmaker. And that's, you know, obviously the screenwriter, the director, the cinematographer, the producers, and the performer. And so I was looking at Dracula, you know, because when I started watching films, horror films with Dracula, we were talking Bela Lugosi. You know, and Bela Lugosi is very stylized, you know, and anybody who wants to can, you can probably pull up a Bela Lugosi Dracula film on YouTube. Uh, it's very stylized. There's no gore, really. There's a lot of mood, a lot of atmosphere, a lot of, you know. Uh, a lot of chewing of the scenery. Yeah, yeah <laughs> boys, there's a ton of scenery, a lot of fog, you know, and a lot of, you know, mugging for the camera. But, you know, that was the style late 30s through the 40s. And but Bella was Dracula for at least two generations, right. and then we moved on to um, you know in terms of my experience, we moved on to the Hammer films, and in the Hammer films you had Christopher Lee. Now, some mm -hmm. of you know Christopher Lee from the James Bond movies, or other coming to it even later might know Christopher Lee as one of the characters in Star Wars. Uh, he did and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and Lord of the Rings, right, right, and and a bunch of other things. Christopher was an actor who. Once he hit, hit the rails, boy, he just kept on going. So there's a ton of stuff with Christopher Lee. But his Dracula, there's at least two films that I know of, he never speaks. So, you know, he, he he's, he's influences women, he bites people, he, he snarls beautifully, but he has no lines, which I, I think is kind of interesting. Like Christopher has, you know, all I have to do is mug for the camera. You know, but, you know, yeah, I don't have to memorize any lines. This is easy. Okay, I get to bite women in the neck and, and, and snarl. I'm good. How much money am I making? But, you know, so there's that. And Hammer had a very, again, they sort of took the 40s mood and atmosphere and they, they added color and a little bit more money. And that was pretty... Well, and, and, and Christopher Lee looked like a carnivore. Well, yeah. And, and he, was, he, was, uh, he was tall. He was a sort of a statuesque kind of Dracula. Lugosi 
Lugosi looked European. Lugosi, with his hair slicked back, looked like, you know, something about him said, hmm, Raven, maybe, or, you know, and, and with the makeup, Supernatural, you went for it. Lee looked like a baron that you might meet, you know, in some and really realized this is not the castle I should be in. You know, so, so this was royalty, and he was still going to tear your neck out uh, and steal your women. Um, but what I find interesting is that the, and again, the fact that I can remember, as you often comment, my age, the fact that I can remember the influences, audience-wise and everything, in terms of Lugosi's performances and Christopher Lee's performances. The performance I remember hearing the most about and was most amazed by, and not the movie, but the Broadway show of Dracula performed and played by Frank Langella. Mm. Frank Langella, who did a marvelous thing with the character Skeletor in another movie, but Langella, and I can't say that Lee wasn't an actor, and I can't say Lugosi wasn't an actor. They each had their own style. They had their, you know, the craft that they brought to it. But Langella's performance, let's just say it was so powerful that it went like this for me. Many of the women, many of the varying diverse females that I knew at that time who were everything from 16 years old, bright eyes and innocent to a uh, 40-year-old and gay who went to see that performance came back going, I'd let that man bite me on the neck any day of the week. <laughs> Some of the women who were really turned on couldn't stop talking about him for days. Days, right? And the thing is, you know, you look at Hara as, oh my God, you know, blood, bite, tear, cut, stab, puncture, you know, some creature that breaks you in, in pieces or, or devours you. You look at Hara from this sort of violent or savage perspective. But I also look at Hara from imagine encountering someone who is literally a threat to your life, as deadly as they come. And you cannot resist him. You cannot run from him. You cannot control yourself. And once this person, this entity, takes hold of you, you will do whatever this individual wants you to do. Mm -hmm. As you knew it, is over. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. Because if Jella had really been a vampire, that's power. And that's horrific. And it's it's an invasion. Uh, uh, so much more than a bite in the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An invasion of the will. It's a rape of the will. You yeah. know, a rape of the very humanity, which is you know, and usually handled subtly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I think see, that's the most effective version that, of a Dracula. That's or exactly what it is. And that's why that's why I was going to say that you know again. As a writer, I can look at everything that I've just said and did, <laughs> I did look at it, and, and think, what is really the essence of the horror here? Mm-hmm. Is it being attacked by somebody and, and, and wounded or murdered, or is it the loss of soul, the rape and loss of soul and will? Right. And, and you know, using that to fuel my own writing in other situations. So, you know, again, we've talked about this a thousand times, you know, your experience, your perception, your view, your filter of life absolutely affects the art that you turn out. Yeah. And author intent, you know, I was yeah. talking about this uh, on Friday night. There's a, there was a, a piece 
um, and there was uh, some idea of a character um, and what the character was doing. And I kept going back to author intent. Is the author intending that character to be seductive or a jerk or a rapist? Mm. Or, you know, does that character obliterate others? You know, for the an author... Knowing that is a must. You must know what you intend that character to do and what you want to show the readers. You know? And you have to take responsibility for what you do show. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, If you want that Frank Langella um, seduction, overpowering seduction, you can never show him ripping out a throat because that brings it to a different thing. Yeah, much more visceral. Uh, then you're showing animalism, right? So what do you, as an author, telling your damn story, what story do you want to tell? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the vampire is a great example, but any of these horror things is a great, you know, and, and since it's that season, you can go and, you know, you, you made a great list of Dracula, but you can go and look at similar stories told from different points, from different to- points of time, or from different points of view, you know. Um, I would love to see a, a vampire story, and then there's some, I'm hoping, under her black wings, you know, 2020 Women of Hero Anthology, from Candisha Press. Um, I'm hoping there's female-written uh, vampire, vampire stories in there because I think that view would be something that it, um, a whole different dynamic. Mm. You know, and you know, not bringing up Blackula from the 70s. <laughs> but you just right? did. <laughs> well, you know, two of two because if you don't, then it's going to come up, right? William Marshall. Yes. But but Blade, you know, yeah. was a, you know, completely different take. But I'd love to see that handed over to African creators and uh, African-American creators, excuse me, um, black American creators. All right. What are you going to say with that character and those characters? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have such a tapestry in this country. And everybody gets to tell their story, or should. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a more accurate way of saying it. And telling these classic Halloween era horror uh, stories from different voices may be what we need in 2020. You know, we need to hear more and more diversity. And this is, you know, this is taking bread off my table and limiting the success I can have by saying that because, you know, I'm the most heard group so far. <laughs> you know, it's sad but true, right? White He's guy. up the white folks, in case you've never white met guy. in the picture. Yeah, white guy, come on, we heard enough of that guy, which is terrible because they haven't heard from me yet. Um, but we need to hear other voices and we need to hear their takes, their spins, the way they tell their damn story. Absolutely. So. 
I will say one more thing. I said I would save my soapbox uh, or my social commentary for later. Um, I think that there's so many, you're right, there's so many voices we've yet to hear and so many stories yet to be told uh, through those voices and by those voices. Um, one of the things that I find my pet peeve is there was a very popular uh, horror film series called Friday the 13th. It actually even, it was a variation of it for a television uh, show as well. But uh, the thing that, no, I'm sorry. Wrong, 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 wrong. Nightmare on Elm Street. There we go. Different one. I have Friday written down here, but I'm wrong. It's Nightmare on Elm Street. And the, the, the essence of what bothered me about that series, not that they did like 19 versions of it or whatever, they did that with several groups, but I think it twisted something in a way that disturbed me for a long time. And I may be one of the few people on the planet that was disturbed by this. So I will put it this way. I think when, when your villain is so successful, you know, when the, the concept and the story that you've done with your villain is so successful that as a book or as a film, you get to write more about this character, you know, like a Dracula or whatever, but in this case, Freddy, um, you know, the, the, the world sort of like eats up the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and that's making money. And this is great for the authors and this is great for anybody who's making money off of this property. By the same token, I'm, I'm disturbed by what I think was an ethical uh, omission or drop or loss. And so I will say this as a way of saying, you know, please, if you can, if you care, when you create your characters, be, be responsible for the message you're putting out there. So to be more specific, Freddy uh, is killed in the first film. Uh, he dies really at the beginning of the film, so he becomes a supernatural creature for the rest. Uh, because he's surrounded by a group of, of townspeople uh, and, and the building he's hiding in is set fire and he dies because he was a child molester and murderer. And he gets his puppets at that moment, but of course then comes back as a supernatural being and it's all about him invading nightmares of people, causing, causing nightmares and invading the young minds and terrorizing them and them dying and all that kind of stuff. And okay, I get it. This is this is the, the the gimmick of the film. This is the appeal. This is the horror value, you know. And will they escape? I get all of that. I guess what bothered me is by the third or fourth film, it's such a merchandising monster now, literally, that they're selling the outfits and the concept to kids. And that that threw me. And I could see people saying, "Well, kids didn't go see this movie." I, I got that. I got it. I, many young children never saw the movie. But I have a problem. As a writer, I couldn't have done this. I have a problem with a child murderer and molester becoming a child hero or a child character that they portray. And I don't know that there's an answer to this at all. I don't know that they could have done it any differently. I, I really don't. By the fourth film, people didn't even remember why Freddie died in the first film. I would ask. So well, I guess I think it, it would have helped if they had taken some of the proceeds and sent it to um, uh, child services or someone that, you know, try and help. Some good with, yeah. Some we're, victims of this. Yeah. You know, and, I, I, you um, know, so anyway, anyway um, this is my soapbox. I'm standing on it for another moment. When you create these characters, now, and, and, and God bless you if you're successful with it and money's rolling in, just please don't lose track of your your ethical center. And so, you know, maybe you're not going to stop them from making the movies or you're not going to change something so that, you know, there's more comeuppance to them. But maybe like Chris says, maybe you do divert some, some money towards doing some good with it. But making a hero 
in effect, or a pop favorite icon character out of someone who does something like that bothers me. And I would hope uh, it would bother more people. Yeah. It brings to mind in the 70s, DC gave the Joker his own comic book. But there was one rule. Each story had to be standalone. And at the end of each story, he had to be captured and brought to justice. Mm. You know, they, they, it, each of these Freddy movies, and I, you know, I don't remember that I could quote each one of them, right? Um, you have to make sure that Freddy gets his comeuppance, gets punished. One of the things that they forgot is to, to remember who he was before. Mm -hmm. you know, and there might have been a commentary as, uh, on how things you know, morph and he becomes much more than he was. He's still a child molester. It's not like he's invading the, the dreams of a 58-year-old. You know, he's always going after teens and kids and all that sort of stuff. He's still a child molester. Yeah. And that is really would be helpful if they ever reboot it because they reboot everything. It would behoove them. I want to use that word. Yeah, exactly. uh, try it again. What, what was that word? It would behoove them to there remember you go. this again. is a child molester and should be treated as such. Yeah. Anyway, as I said, you know, that was my soapbox, and there may be a thousand people who agree or disagree with me. That's fine. Um, but I, I think we've given people a lot to chew on this week. Yeah, we have. And, and so much so that we're going to not give them any more to chew on because you've got enough. And we'll be back next week with some more stuff for you to chew on. And it'll still be, yes, it'll still be uh, the month of October, or whatever you want to call we it. We wanted to talk about books because you need to go and get the book and then read. You know, it's you, you kind of get your trick-or-treat over several days rather than yep. just one little right. bowl of candy corn. A book is, you know, more yeah, of a you're gonna sit there and If you're going to sit there and gorge yourself on candy, at least have a good book and get look sticky yeah, sinks up all over. There you go, yes. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we're getting ready to tell your damn story. Yeah. Read a bunch of people and see how they told their damn story. Right. Happy Halloween to you. Absolutely. In the month. And until next week, uh, Chris, as always, a joy, a pleasure, a thrill, and certainly amusing. <laughs> and it is a, a, a more of a joy and an honor to be with you than ever, sir. Thank you so much for being here and uh, for telling your own damn story. The same, the same. And folks, you know, send in, keep those cards and letters coming. Okay, take care. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Peace.